Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So this week, uh, I had the privilege of making a very quick trip up to Eugene, Oregon to uh, speak at New Hope Christian College, and I had a blast. That's uh, Pastor Wayne Cadero, remember the guy that was here a while back? Uh, If you were here back in May, they brought uh, a bunch of their worship team members, and I got to be with them and, and meet with some of the seniors and some of the juniors and some of the leadership team, so it was an exciting time and very beautiful. And if you saw me back here playing drums and I was like smiling a lot, it's because I was watching young Tyler Evangelista here playing her guitar. Did you notice her up here? Good. Yeah, we had the Tyler and Tyler guitar section, TNT Dynamite back here. So I was really happy to to see them and uh, that was great. Excited to uh, get ready for these big events called Harvest Block Party and also our big game, post-game party. Remember, they're back-to-back. And there's a big box out there. So as we're giving back to the Lord, um, if you have uh, uh, a generous heart and you want to help us uh, fund the party, uh, we don't really get... It's the only event that we do every year where we ask some of the community to help us. And uh, I think last year we got like $1,000 from the the town uh, collectively, different businesses than that, because businesses don't have a lot of extra money to give away. So uh, the party is not cheap. We bring in all the inflatable stuff from up in Sacramento and the big Euro bungee and the climbing wall and the 300 pizzas. And so if you've not ever been to the party, this is your chance to come and see it. It's our 26th year of doing the big game, post-game party and Lompoc plays Cabrillo and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Yeah. Anything could happen though. Yeah, yeah. I remember when my, no, I remember when my boy played for Cabrillo, they said, there's no chance. And Cabrillo beat Lompoc, and Lompoc was so sad. They were just sad. But that was back in 98. So anyway, (laughs) moving on. But anything could happen. So let's come out and support them. And uh, the beauty of that night is this, too, without going on too much. Uh, Once they get inside the party, which is right next to the stadium, the Aquatic Center parking lot, YMCA parking lot, once they get inside, there's no blue and white, black and gold. They're just all kids from the valley. And I just love watching that all change. And, and, uh, you know, pie eating contests or whatever they might be doing, they're all in it together, and it's great. So, of course, we have kids from, uh, from Maple School as well, and the homeschool kids, so we just asked for an ID that gets them in. Now, one year we had these kids from, uh, from uh, up north. They heard about the party. I think they were from Slow. They tried to come in and cause a little havoc. But uh, our Lompoc PD said, sorry, you got to be from Lompoc to get in. Somebody said, that's kind of crude. I said, no, let Slow have their own party. They can figure it out, right? Because this is for our kids. So it's a great, great time. Hey, we're talking more about... The miracles that the Lord has performed in the Gospel of John, that you may believe. And let's look at John uh, chapter 20, verse 31. It said, but these are written that you, let's read it, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, a lot of people know about Jesus, but don't believe in Jesus. 
a lot of people go to church today all over this county and say, yep, Jesus, that's good, that's good. And then they leave, but they don't take him with them. You take him with you by believing in his name, by believing he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead. And I'm real excited. Last Sunday, I asked people if this is your day to believe in Christ for the first time. And you'll be happy to know last Sunday in our three services, there were 14 adults for the first time that said, this is my day to give my life to Jesus. Yeah, that's worth clapping about. And so we're going to keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it sets people free. And today we're going to talk about a man who was stuck. You ever been stuck? How about, don't raise your hand, are you stuck now? I'm not talking about stuck in the mud, though you might be. Stuck in an attitude, stuck maybe in a prejudice, stuck maybe in a place of, of, of brokenness or hurt or pain, maybe stuck in a memory you can't shake. Maybe you're stuck in a relationship where some things need to radically shift and change. Maybe you're a young lady stuck with a guy. It's time to kick him to the curb. I'll give you a note, a prescription from Pastor B. Kick him to the curb. Not physically, but emotionally. And just tell him, see you later. If the, if the guy's bringing you down and not making you uh, thrive in your life and not bringing you closer to Christ, then kick him to the curb. I didn't say your husband. I said boyfriend. Yeah, some lady goes, oh, shucks. I wish he would have said husband. Anyway, no. And same with you guys. If you're pursuing a woman and she's not helping you grow in your faith, Get rid of them. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Yeah. And there are some people who allow people to get them stuck, but some people are just stuck because they're choosing to be stuck. This man's been stuck for 38 years. We know that he can't walk, and we don't know how long he's been laying by the pool of Bethesda. It doesn't tell us in the Scripture. We just know for 38 years he's not been able to walk, and he has a spot right next to the pool the old King James said that when the angel came and stirred up the water, it bubbled up, and the first person into the pool got healed. Now, I'm pretty simple and very practical. If that was me, I would have put myself right on the edge, and the minute that the angel came down, I would have rolled myself in the water. How many of you would have? Come on. You would have found a way. But notice in John 5, verse 1 through 8, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. The verses are also on the screen. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. By the way, happy Rosh Hashanah to you. Today is the Jewish New Year. And if you don't want to wait till January 1, you could celebrate New Year right now in September before October. It's the Jewish New Year. It was a Jewish festival. And rather than Jesus going right to the temple to celebrate, he stops at the pool, and it's called Bethesda, and it's surrounded by five covered colonnades or porches to keep people from being scorched by the sun. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and one who's been, had, had, was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well 
Serve the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The first thing I want you to write down in your notes, if you would, on the back of your little page that you were given when you came in, somebody asked me, what happened to the bulletin? I'm glad you noticed. We changed it about four months ago. But anyway, uh, we're saving paper. Just think about that. We're trying to be uh, ecologically sound. So we're saving a lot of paper and, and expense by just having uh, one sheet. But you got enough space there to write, number one, the compassionate Jesus. He cared about others so much that he actually stopped to see what their needs were. There's something about Jesus who wants to be compassionate towards you no matter what you're going through. Even when he left this planet, here's what he said. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to be your comforter. He's going to be my presence in your midst. He's going to help you in the middle of all that you're going through. And in John 5, 3, the New Living Testament, a place where the blind, the lame, the paralyzed lay on their porches. All kinds of people are there, and Jesus knows his story. Jesus knows that he's been there for a while. Somebody, as Jesus is approaching this man, says in his ear, "Uh, let me tell you, this guy's been here a while. And by the way, Jesus, just get ready, because if you talk to him, he's going to complain. He's a complainer. Nobody here knows any complainers, right? He's a complainer. See, no matter what your struggle is, our confidence needs to be in the fact that Jesus sees us even in the midst of our complaining and our whining. That's why we preach the gospel here as a church. We're not afraid or embarrassed of the gospel because it changes people's lives. It, it transforms people's lives. So Jesus goes from the compassionate Jesus, number two, to the questioning Jesus. And here's the question, John 5, 5 to 7. Do you want to get well? By the way, can I tell you in all my dealings with people, uh, hospital visits and ICUs and ERs, I've never had to ask this question because everybody I've ever met with tubes and machinery hooked up to them, right, they all want to get well. I mean, have you ever, have you ever had the flu and, and said, I just like it like this? I love my, oh, I love my head cold. Oh, I love the allergy season when I get all, pl- it's just so great. Bring it on, Lord, I love it. Nobody wants to stay that way, but for some reason, this man responds to Jesus and and says, I have no one to help me into the pool. That's not the question. Do you want to get well? How many of you just said yes? Yeah. You want to get well? Sure. But it's kind of an odd question, don't you think, to ask somebody who's sick? You want to get well? Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? And I believe it's connected to the length of his illness, 38 years. And the fact that somehow he didn't leverage his illness to have somebody else throw him in the water, I believe that this guy was stuck. Just say stuck, 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 yeah. And what he does is he blames. He blames. I love what the New Living Translation says, John 5, 7. He says, I can't, sir. Do you ever tire of people who get just say, I can't, I can't, can't do it, can't do it? Or you go to somebody in customer service. Maybe this has happened to you. Happened to me a couple of weeks ago. 
I said, can you help me? Their response was, I can't. Well, I have a question. I can't, I can't help you. Uh, is there any way I could speak to a supervisor or manager, right? That's what they said to me. You can't. So I got two can'ts. I can't, you can't. Yeah. Or you're, you're, you, you call a customer service and uh, for something, maybe it's a bank or maybe it's a computer fix. Come on. And all of a sudden, somebody answers the phone. Hello, my name is Roger. No, you know his name is Raji, not Roger. Come on. Come on. Right? Hello, my name is Linda. No, it's, it might be Erlinda, but it's not Linda. And at the end of the call, they've done nothing to help you. And at the end of the call, they ask you this question because it's on their script. Is there anything else I can do for you today? Yeah. You could have started by helping me at the beginning of this call, but you didn't do that. And so a lot of people are, are saying this today. I hear it a lot. I can't. I can't. We can't. They can't. I have no one to put me in the pool. Someone else gets ahead of me. There are three negatives in one sentence, and that's how he responds to God in the flesh. Has, has the Lord ever knocked on your door? and tried to get you to move forward in an area in your life, and you said something like, I, I, I can't. Someone else needs to do it. Um, maybe somebody, but not me. And I still believe Jesus speaks down the quarters of time and asks you and I a question. Do you want to get well? And if Jesus is asking, then you don't need to say there's no one to help me. What you need to say is, yes, Lord, I trust you. The old hymn says, trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I came across uh, an expert as I was looking up the word pessimism, pessimism. And I looked up this word pessimism, and all of a sudden, this article came up on learned optimism. Now, we know optimism is positive and pessimism is, is negative. And, and there was a study done years ago by Martin Seligman, and he wrote this book called Learned Optimism. And in it, he talked about a learned helplessness. And I think this, this condition is prevalent today in lots of America. It's a learned helplessness. Ever, ever heard that phrase? Yeah. A learned helplessness. It's a person who repeatedly encounters seemingly unsolvable crisis, and they learn over time to behave helpless. Rather than engage in the solution, they just put their arms up and say, nothing I can do, or like the invalid, I can't. Someone else. And, and we start to blame people. Now, you know how you spell blame, right? B-L-A-M-E, or be lame. Eight o'clock thought it was great. They just said, ah, yeah, yeah. Be, 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 be lame. See, people that have this learned helplessness have simply said, there's nothing I can do to get better. I can't change the circumstances I'm in, and therefore I resign to being stuck. It's how, and many of you know this, how they train an elephant. When an elephant is small, Look at that cute elephant. They just tie it to a little rope, to a stick or to a tree, and the elephant pulls on it and recognizes it can't move forward. It's called learn 
helplessness. But with, then when that elephant gets bigger, all they do is put a chain around its little foot and the elephant says, I know what this means. I can't move the chain. Now, yes, we've read a couple of situations where the elephant, you know, got bold and broke the circus tent apart and ran to the street and crushed cars. And I, I got it. But, but those are very far, few and far between. What mostly happens is the elephant goes back in their mind, great memory, and says, I can't move the chain because I learned it this way. Hey, what if Jesus was going to speak into your life and your situation and say, I want to erase your learned helplessness. I want to show that I'm in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I, I, I want to show you that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. But you can also say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm going to be stuck. I'm going to be stuck right here in my little tide pool of life, believing I'm in the whole ocean. I'm going to get stuck by all the opinions of people around me and the naysayers around me. I can't, you can't, it can't. But you know why most people say they can't or you can't? You know why people do that? They're jealous of your lift, your redemptive lift. As you start to change and you move forward in your life, as you change your attitudes, as you change your approach to people, people get jealous of you. And you know what I found about people who like being in the mud? They want you in the mud with them. Let me say it again. You know what I know about people that like being in the mud? That like being just negative and mean and cantankerous? They want as many people to populate the mud pool with them. And I've just decided a long time ago, you know what? I, I can't do that. But pastor, don't you know what those people said about you? I don't care. Isn't that great? Oh, wait till you get older, some of you younger ones. Wait till you 20s and 30s get a little older. Wait till you 40s become 60. You're going to say, hallelujah. I live for an audience of one. I care about what he thinks about more than anybody else. Well, yeah, yeah. Three people are clapping. Good. Yeah, clap for yourself, too. Yeah. Because we should be able to say, you know what, Lord? I want to be your church, your church. What is the church? You. It's not bricks and mortar. And the church is the only entity that Jesus said he would build. Think about it. I will build my church, and the, I'm going to change it a little bit, and the chains of hell will not prevail against you. You're going to say, I'm going to be strong the power of the Lord's might. I'm going to rise up and not stay the way I am. See, the impact of learned helplessness on people can be huge. I'm quoting here from this article by, uh, by uh, Martin Seligman where he says, the impact of learned helplessness on people can be huge. For instance, students with learned helplessness perform more poorly in college than students with the same IQ. They lack resilience. They can't recover from setbacks. Learned helplessness is not even caused by adversity. Learned helplessness is caused by the way people interpret adversity. Well, one person rises up and says, we can attack the hill. We can conquer that mountain. The other person says, it's a mountain. And here's what I've learned. Mountains will hold you back. So I will stand here and be stuck. My marriage can't change. Going to be stuck. My finances can't change. Going to be stuck. I'll just keep on spending. Yeah, not going to set a budget. I'm just going to keep on spending because things won't change for me. Or I'll never amount to anything. Or I, I could never go back to school and 
better myself. When I was up at New Hope Christian College, this lady walked up to me after the chapel. I thought maybe she was a faculty member, but no, she was a student. She's in her early 70s going back to college, and she says, I want a good theological base, and I want to learn. She goes, man, and it's so great to be here with all these youngins, because I feel young too, you know? I looked at her. She's wearing Vans, you know? She had jeans with all knees cut out. I said, did you pay a lot of money for those? Oh, yeah, they're designer jeans. I said, I have a pair I'll send you. I'll get the scissors out. We should start doing that and selling jeans. Come on, we could make some money, right? But here was a lady saying to me, she was a living illustration, I'm not going to be stuck. So I've got a video I want to show you. It's a brief video. Uh, and sorry for the graininess of the video. It's the best we could find. But are you ready to get unstuck? Well, take a look at this. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello? There are two people stuck on an escalator and we need help. Now, would somebody please do something? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> well, there's nothing else left to do. Yeah. Hello? Hey, don't worry about it. I'll fix it in a second. <laughs> he said he can fix it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's more like it. He says he can fix it. laughing. No, don't raise your hand. How many are stuck on an escalator? Are you ready to get unstuck? You know what Jesus asked this man? He says, do you want to get well? That's the question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The word he uses here is a great word. It's the word hogias. Or some would pronounce it hojias. It's the word that we get huge from. H-U-G-E, huge. He doesn't ask him, do you want to get saved? You want new life to come to you? That would be the word sozo. And else place, other places in the Bible, he asks somebody, do you want to have sozo happen to you? Do you want to be rescued and delivered and, and life? But here he says, do you want hugias to happen to you? Do you want to be made whole? You want your life to become huge? <laughs> you want to be whole? I love that question. 
You want to experience whole, better, abundant, full life. Because once you're healed, your whole life will change. You want to get whole. You want to be whole. And the answer was, well, there's nobody to put me in the water. There's always somebody who gets ahead of me. There's always, there's always somebody else. There's always something. There's always some place to, to, to cast blame. And I just wonder about the greatest miracle that Jesus will do besides saving us and changing our eternity is where he begins to give us a whole life. See, Jesus doesn't want us to be defined by our circumstances. He wants to take our experiences, good and bad, and use them to mold us into the people that he originally intended. If we believe Romans 8, 28, does anybody know what it says? For all, all things work together for good for those who... Oh, by the way, by the way, I know a lot of people that quote Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good, period. And I say, no, that verse isn't for you unless you love God. It says, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his, his purpose. So as you're walking in the purpose of God and you love God, then you can bank on this. All things that happen to you even the ones that the Lord doesn't cause to happen. See, a lot of times he gets blamed for stuff he doesn't do. I had somebody ask me recently, and I said, you, you, you missed that sermon where I said, I can't understand why God heals some people and not others. And I said this to them, we're a part of a fallen human race. If you don't like physical ailments and cancer and all that stuff, and I don't, then blame it on Adam and Eve. Because before Adam and Eve, there was no sickness. Hello. See, God's original intention and design was for us to live without sin and without sickness and without aphids and tomato bugs. I don't even think there was any mice and rats in the garden. I think they became a byproduct of the fall. That's just me. And there certainly weren't any gophers. <laughs> I had a friend visit here. I had a friend visit here from Orange County. He said, I think you guys are the gopher mecca of America. Everywhere we, and, and while we were standing outside of a little, a little restaurant in town, we saw two gophers pop up, man. It's like right there. There, there they are. You know, I wish I had a poo gun, but I don't, I don't carry any weapons. So, but it got it kind of nice. And I hear they taste just like plover. And anyway... Um, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Yeah. God has the ability to take every situation and circumstance and help it to shape us and become the people that he intended us to be. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to, come on, give them a rich and satisfying life. Hugias. A whole life, a huge life. If you're living below the potential of your life, then you're stuck. See, some people are real satisfied with the Lord saving their soul, so when they die, they go to heaven, and that's great. Wow. But Jesus said in John 10, I want to give you a rich and satisfying life now. Does that mean you, you get, excuse me, you get everything that you asked for? Does that mean you go home today and, and, and just 
speak a car into your driveway? I tried it. It doesn't work. Huh? You say, yeah, Lord, mama needs a new car. Bring it, Lord. And the Holy Spirit says, save your money. Huh? Come on. God wants to give you right here a rich and satisfying life to, to cleanse your mind from bad thinking, to renew you, to change you from the inside out. And the question is not, do you know how to become whole? Thankfully, the question is simply, do you want to be whole? He doesn't ask the man, do you know how to get from A to B? He says, do you want to get from A to B? And what does he do? He complains, complains, and he, he whines. And that's why we see the third thing is the commanding Jesus. And Jesus said to him, get up. Isn't that powerful? Get up. The man's never been up. 38 years, not been up. And rather than just beat on this guy, we have to commend him because he actually gets up. And maybe you've seen Bible videos of this where the guy starts to get up and he stumbles a little bit and, and then he walks away. He picks up his mat and walks. Pick up your mat because you're not coming back here. He had this place of real estate right by the pool. You're not coming back here. See, the devil wants you to live in your past. Jesus says, I want you to move forward with your life. I want you to get unstuck. Jesus intervened. But the man had to obey. We talked about participating in miracles in the past. Water was turned into wine as the servants took the water pots and went to deliver the wine. It changed. The lepers were told, you're, you're healed. And he said, Jesus said, go to show the priests that you've been healed. And as they were going from here to there, they became healed. Lazarus, we already talked about this. Before he comes forth out of the grave, Jesus tells Mary and Martha, you guys move the stone away. There's a participation that happens. Sir, you pick up your mat and you begin to walk. And if you read on in the story, you're going to find out that the religious leaders say to him, excuse me, it's the Sabbath. You're not supposed to pick up your mat. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And here's what I got to say about that. I'm tired of religious people, aren't you? I can't believe you do that. Hey, the guy's walking. Shouldn't they have said to him, sir, aren't you the guy who's not been able to walk for like 38 years? Yeah, that's me. Well, who did this to you? They should have rejoiced with him in his healing. But you know what I find out? It's like I said earlier. People that start to rise up, the jealousy comes out in other people. You get back down here. Be with us. Or you do it our way. But see, I'd rather do it the Lord's way than do it man's way. And Jesus says, get up and pick up your mat and walk. See, getting unstuck means embracing faith and taking action. Taking action. And here's what I want to say. God has a better plan for your future than you do for yourself. So number one, here's our lessons as we get ready to pray and have parfait. Pray and parfait. Be open to a miracle. Be open. Be open to what God wants to do supernaturally in and through your life. If you're stuck with an attitude you've had forever, and by the way, if you're sitting next to your husband or wife, or your kids, and they've got a bad attitude, don't do this to them. Do this to your own heart, okay? Right? Give yourself a good Heimlich. Come on. And say, Lord, wherever I have been stuck, I want to be open to a miracle. 
The second thing is be willing to obey Jesus and his word. You remember Moses was uh, standing by the Red Sea. We all know this story. And Pharaoh and his armies are behind him. He can hear the hoofbeats of the horses, the wheels of the chariots. And he's standing at the edge of the Red Sea. The Red Sea didn't depart until he took the step of faith and walked into it. I think about the army of Israel. These are special forces. These are like Navy SEALs. These are like, you know, the the strong of the strong. And they're all in the bushes for fear because they look in the valley and they see Goliath. And Goliath is standing there. And all of a sudden, here comes David, full of faith, with the slingshot and the five smooth stones. And he lets them fly. And Goliath falls and reverberates through the valley. David had to step out in faith and obey God. I think of Paul and Silas stuck in prison in the midnight hour. They're worshiping the Lord. And as they worship, the earth starts to shake and the prison doors open. I had a guy tell me one time, you know, I'm tired of preachers who preach that because I've worshiped God in my darkness and my midnight hour and I didn't feel any earthquake. I didn't feel the prison doors open. Well, sometimes they don't actually open naturally, but there's a supernatural change inside your heart where you go, I don't care what the situation looks like on the outside, yet while I praise God, I'm going to worship God no matter what I see. If he delivers me, I'm going to worship him. If he doesn't deliver me, I'm going to worship him. And maybe it's like Jonah who got stuck in the belly of the big whale until he repented of his rebellion and chose to do the work that God had called him to do. Be willing to obey Jesus and his word. And the last thing is be a part of a miracle. Be a part of it. When God whispers to you to care about someone, when, when he shares with you to, to do something for someone, it was just a few weeks ago I was in the Starbucks drive through and I, I said, hey, I'll take the car behind me. Uh, how much is it? And it was pretty small. I asked one time and it was 62 bucks. I said, forget it. They had a van. <laughs> They had a van. Everybody's getting drinks and food. I said, forget it. Tell them have a nice day. And uh, I'm just being honest. But uh, it was a, there was a lady behind me, and, and, and I got her. I think she had a drink and a, a muffin or something. And I was coming out, and a couple days later, I came back through. And she said, hey, remember that lady? Yeah, I told her the guy in front of her bought her, her drink and her muffin. I said, yeah. She started weeping. I said, well, okay, good. She goes, yeah, she, was, she just came back from the doctor. She had horrible news. And she was praying that God would somehow give her a sign that he was with her. Huh? And I told her, yeah, that guy in front, that's why it's nice to have your license frame, Lompoc, Foursquare, People Matter, God. We have them in guest services. If you drive nice, put one on your car. If you drive poorly, don't put one on your car. <laughs> Yeah, some of you remember my story. I was driving down, I was driving down A Street, and this car pulls out from college, runs the stop sign sideways, you know, smoke billowing out of the right exhaust pipe, and it said, "People matter to God." <laughs> they almost clipped the front of my car, you know. Ugh. And I, I tried to race to the next stop sign to get. They were gone. They ran the stop sign at North Street and A. And they just kept going to Central, you know. Smoke billowing out of the side. Sorry. It's funny now, but it wasn't then, you know. <laughs> Woo! Around the corner. So if that's you, take it off your car. But uh, 
If you're going to drive nice, get, get one. And I thought, isn't that weird? I'm just in the drive-thru line. And I, and I buy for people, and I you know, pick up tabs for military people all the time. And, and it's just, no. But, but it was just something. I was driving through the drive-thru. Boom, little impulse. Hey, pay for the car behind you. That's all I heard. And I obeyed. And I, I guess I was a part of a miracle that day. Because this lady, bad news from the doctor, God, give me a sign that you're with me. And that was her sign, a latte and a muffin. And somebody buying it for her. Hey, would you be willing to be a part of a miracle? I think that's important. And here's something I want to end with, and we're almost done. You know what that means in preacher talk? Nothing. But anyway, we're almost done. <laughs> what can I do? And I wrote it this way. I, that, that's you. What can I do today that can take me in the direction of a better tomorrow? Now, that's not hype. That's hope. Lord, what would you like me to do that could put me in the direction of a better tomorrow for you? Making me a candidate for a miracle. Having me be a part of a miracle in someone else's life. And being a part of what you've called, even to this man who was stuck. Do you want to be whole? Lord, what can I do today? By the way, that was your assignment for the week. Every morning this week, coming week, ask yourself the question, what can I do today that can take me in a direction of a better tomorrow? Jesus, what would you want me to do? Holy Spirit, what would you want me to do? God the Father, what would you want me to do? And as you read your Bible this week and do your devotions, ask that question, what can I do today that can take me in the direction of a better tomorrow? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.